Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. We're in the midst of a sermon series titled Back to Our Future, and we've been looking at the book of Ezra, and we're going to start looking at the book of Nehemiah, thinking about what passages, of these passages of Scripture have to say to us. If I were to ask you what your favorite passages are, I'm sure you would say Psalm 23, John 3:16, Romans 8, nothing can separate us from God's love. But very few people would probably pick Ezra and Nehemiah as their favorite scriptures, but There are spiritual lessons in here that are power-packed, and I believe God's got a special message today for San Marino Community Church here in this time of of tumultuous times in which our church is living, our world is living, our nation is living, but God also has a message for you specifically and for me. Would you listen now for the word of God as it comes to us in Ezra chapter 4? It's going to come up on your screen in front of you, and this passage is a passage that at first glance seems hopeful, but as you get onto it, you realize this is really a word that things are going to get worse before they get better for the people of Israel. When the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of families and said to him, let us build with you. For we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of King Esarhaddon of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the families in Israel said to them, You shall have no part with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus of Persia has commanded. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build, and they bribed officials to frustrate their plan throughout the region of King Cyrus of Persia and until the reign of King Darius of Persia. Then when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and the scribe Shimshi and their associates, they, they hurried to the Jews in Jerusalem and by force and power made them cease building. At that time, the work on the house of the Lord in Jerusalem stopped and was discontinued until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we're living in a time of adversity. It's a tumultuous time in our nation. This COVID virus overwhelms us, a divided nation politically, a world where there's such great difficulty and challenge with earthquake and tornado. Today, the east and parts of the Midwest are covered with snow and there's treachery and some accidents that have occurred. We're also very aware that we live in a world where Russia's on the border of Ukraine, even at this moment. And there may be war in our world soon, even as there has been war for generation after generation. We pray, O God, that something we hear in this message might inspire us to be an instrument of your peace, knowing that somehow, in a way we can't always understand, you use adversity 
in a mysterious way to accomplish your will. In that, to that end, pour through me the gift of preaching that these words might not simply be a human opinion, but by your grace, they might become your living word to us. And we know they will, for we pray with anticipation. And we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And may all the people of God say, Amen. Well, there was Oscar Wilde, the great uh, Irish playwright and poet, poet, who said so many wonderful things over the years. And I've, I've read a lot of Oscar Wilde's stuff. But one of his favorite sayings is one that still instructs me about life. Oscar Wilde said, there's two great tragedies in life. The first is not getting what you want. But the second is getting it. Because when you get the thing you think you want, you realize it can't ultimately fulfill you. And sometimes it creates more problems in your life than you ever imagined. And sometimes things get worse before they get better when you get the thing you want. I wonder if anybody here has ever experienced that, where life got worse before it got better. Think about wanting to have children. You know, you want to have a child, and you dream about a baby, and you pray about having a baby, but then you have a baby, and frankly, those of you who've had children know this, you're often sleep-deprived as a parent for a year or two years. Then you have another child, you're more sleep-deprived. Then your children become teenagers, and of course, they know everything. They think they know everything, and the parents know nothing, and that creates other challenges and other problems. Sometimes things can get worse before they get better. This is why my friend Tony Campolo uh, sometimes says grandchildren are the reward uh, God gives us for not killing our children in the teenage years. There's a joke, but there's a little something to that as well. Sometimes things with raising children can get worse before they get better, and sometimes dealing with parents can get worse before they get better. And isn't this true with a dream job? Have you ever wanted a dream job, and then you got the dream job, you applied for it, you worked for it, you really wanted it, and then you got it? But sometimes things get worse in your dream job before it gets better. It causes more problems for you than you ever imagined. I was a pastor for a dozen or more years in New York City, and a woman in our church was a Broadway actress, and she was desperate to get a lead part in a Broadway show. She was the best dancer and singer in her state growing up. She won all these awards. But when she got to Broadway, it was like getting to the top of the pyramid. It got smaller and smaller and smaller as to who actually made it on Broadway. And she tried for many parts and didn't quite make it. She finished second or third. One day, I'll never forget this. She called me. I can still hear her voice. Tom, Anne said, I made it. I've got a lead in the cast of Chicago. And so she did. Suzanne and I went to see her on Broadway. She was magnificent. She danced and she sang and she acted. She was spectacular. But her life got worse before it got better. She got her dream job. She got what she wanted. But then she realized she'd never really been a lead in a Broadway show before. There were eight performances per week, five rehearsals per week. She had to learn everybody else's dance routine, everybody else's song of all the women in the cast. In addition, she had meetings with the stage manager, the production manager weekly. She didn't have time to do her laundry. She didn't have time to cook. She didn't have time to, to eat a meal hardly. She didn't have time for her family. She broke up with her boyfriend because she didn't have time to date him. She didn't have time for friends, didn't have time for anybody. She didn't have time for the church. So she had all these things. She got what she wanted, but things got worse before it got better. 
Or have you ever wanted to have a knee replacement or a hip replacement and uh, you, you got on the schedule to do it? Now in COVID, it's hard to get surgery scheduled that's routine. But you wanted the knee replacement because your knee is aching or you had a football injury or an ice skating injury. And then you got the new knee, but things got worse before they got better. You got to adjust to the knee and you get a new knee. It's wonderful. It's what you wanted. But things often get worse before they got better. This is what happened to the people of Israel. They were in, in Jerusalem, and the Babylonians captured them, Nebuchadnezzar the king, and they took them off in the captivity in Babylon for 70 years. What they wanted was to get home to Jerusalem. That was their homeland. That was the temple where they worshipped. The walls of their city were very precious to them, but those walls had been destroyed. They dreamed for 70 years in captivity and exile in Babylon, away from their homeland, that they wanted to go home. Cyrus of Persia, the, the, the Persian king, conquers Babylon, defeated the Babylonians like the Babylonians defeated the Israelites, and Cyrus of Persia made an edict. All the people of Israel can go back, they can rebuild their city, they can rebuild the wall, they can rebuild the temple, they're going to go home. And when Cyrus made that edict, the joy in that part of Babylon where the Israelites lived was palpable. They could actually feel and taste the joy. It was amazing. And at first glance in the scripture today, things are going to be good. But as you'll see, when they get back there and they start building the temple, things get worse before they get better. At first glance, it's going to be good because the people come to Zerubbabel of that surrounding land and say, hey, we want to help you with the building. Seems great. But Zerubbabel heard them say, we worship your God. And we have for many years since we were in Assyria. Now, Zerubbabel, the head of the people, knew that those people not only had worshipped Yahweh God, they worshipped the Baals and they worshipped other gods. They were polytheistic, not monotheistic. And Zerubbabel said, I want no part in this. It seems exclusive to us. Why wouldn't he want them to help? But actually what it was is that he was saying, being true to what Cyrus of Persia wanted, and more importantly, being true to what God wanted. Zerubbabel was a good person who was saying to God, we've learned some of the lessons that we should have learned before we went off into captivity because they worshiped other gods then, the people of Israel did. And in many ways, God maybe punished them or let them reap the consequence of their disobedience by taking them into captivity in Babylon. So Zerubbabel says, I want no part of this. We want to worship Yahweh God and Yahweh God alone. But when he said that, the people of the surrounding land were mad. They tried to do everything they could to thwart the building of that wall in the temple. They did everything they could to oppose it. They even wrote to the king who succeeded Cyrus in Persia, King Artaxerxes, and told him, these people in Israel are rebellious people. They're seditious. They're up to no good. They're going to cost you a lot of money. They don't pay their taxes. Issue an edict that the building must stop, and so they did. So the building stopped. So they've traveled all the way to Israel after 70 years in captivity. They set up shop there, as Jessica von Lohr has been preaching the last few weeks. They get settled in that new land. They start the building. Things are going great. But all of a sudden, the building stops, and things get worse before it gets better. Here's my question. Why would God set them free from that captivity in Babylon bring them all the way to Israel, have them start the building only to face opposition. Why would God do that? Is God in control or not? Have you ever wondered if God's in control of your life or not? 
Have you ever been applying to college or trying to deal with a relationship that isn't right, a dating relationship or a relationship with your parents? And you want the relationship to be right, but you pray about it and it doesn't get any better. In fact, it gets worse before it gets better. You know, maybe what God is trying to teach us is that, that maybe God is interested in other things other than simply building a city or building a wall or building a temple. And here's what I wonder, my San Marino Community Church friends. I wonder whether God is more interested in building a people, building your life, building a community, than building a temple or building a wall or building a city. God is always after building people, building up people, building character, building integrity, building trust, building faith. God's always a builder. But it's so interesting that God seemed to stop the building, but I think God stopped the building so that God could build a people. This is always God's way. After God led the people out of captivity in Egypt, they went into the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. They could have been in that wilderness and gone through that land in, in a matter of a, of a few months or a year or two. But it took them 40 years. Why? Because God wanted to teach them trust and faith. So you might remember from the Bible, God gave them manna every day, and they had this dew on the ground, and they, they would pick it up, and it was like a crust of bread, and it gave them food to eat. And God gave it to them every day, every day, every day. God's trying to teach them trust. On the day before the Sabbath, God gave them two days worth of, so they wouldn't have to work on the Sabbath, two days worth of bread. But God was trying to teach them trust every day, every day, every day. Then after they finally entered the promised land after 40 years, God was saying, now don't make alliances with other nations. Put your trust in me every day, every day, every day. But they said, well, we'll worship a little bit of God, a little bit of Yahweh, but we'll also worship the Baals. We'll worship other gods. We'll make alliances with nations. We'll develop a big military weaponry. And God's saying, put your trust in me every day, every day, every day. But the people actually worship many gods, and that's really why I think they were sent into captivity in Babylon. They didn't learn the lesson of trusting in God, and God sent them off to reap the consequences of their disobedience, and they're there for seven years. Now God brings them back, and God's trying to teach them to trust him, to build a people who trust him every day, every day, every day. But the people of Israel often wanted to worship many other gods. This will be disappointing to you, and it's disappointing to me to hear me say this. But I wonder if God, if the building materials God uses to build people of faith isn't adversity, opposition, and obstacles. Ooh, I don't like that. But God often takes adversity and turns it around and uses it into something for good. So I wonder whether it's that God allowed the people to experience these tumultuous times so they would learn to trust him. You may have heard the name Doris Kern Goodwin. She's a wonderful author and she's written many books, but she wrote a book, Leadership in Tumultuous Times. And she tells about Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Lyndon Baines Johnson. And she says in that book, it's the tumultuous times and the leadership challenges of war and slavery and racism and the issues of economic uncertainty that they faced in the Great Depression that actually called forth the gifts 
in these great leaders, that they, they became greater leaders than they ever dreamed possible because of the tumultuous times in which they lived. And Abigail Adams, the wife of John Adams, the mother of John Quincy Adams, wrote her son John Quincy Adams a letter in the lowest time in his life when she said, my son, great necessities bring forth great virtues. In other words, when you need to have the power, you'll get the power. Put your trust in God, she was saying to her son. And so just as God was there in the tumultuous times for Lincoln and the Roosevelts and, and for Johnson, God was there for Zerubbabel at his tumultuous times. And God said to Zerubbabel, stand firm. Don't, don't get into what the people want you to do to build with them. Stand firm. Worship God alone. Trust in God every day, every day, every day. So I'm wondering about COVID, this Omicron virus. I do not believe God caused it, but I do believe God can work through it. In fact, I wonder if God's using the adversity of the Omicron virus in a way to teach us trust, to teach us that life is a precious and a fragile gift. Our nation's divided. People don't speak to one another often in our nation because of political differences. I wonder whether in the Omicron virus and through the Delta virus and the COVID, all the variants, I wonder whether God is saying, remember that people are important. You get all caught up, you people, in what's urgent. I want you to get caught up in what's important. And people are important. And prayer is important. And trusting God's important. I wonder whether God is using this Omicron virus, this COVID, to teach us that people are sacred, to teach people with dignity and respect and with love. Maybe God's using this coronavirus to teach us how to love one another. And I wonder whether the staff transitions that have happened at San Marino Community Church, and there's been a lot of staff transition, and old staff have gone, and new staff have come, and, but it's been a, it's been a tumultuous time. It's, it's been a time of a lot of change, and many more are watching today on Zoom than are, than, are watch, than are participating in worship here in the Fellowship Hall. It's just the way it is, and we're separate from one another, and there's a lot of change happening. But Jessica Von Lower last week introduced the Wailing Wall. And I hope that if you have not been to that wailing wall, you'll go out and see it in the courtyard today. It's a wonderful wall. It's, it's a simple wall, but it's, you, there's pieces of paper there, and there's pens and pencils, and you can write a little prayer. And Jessica was talking in her sermon last week so brilliantly that God is with us in all of our feelings. Whether we're very joyful, God's with us, and whether we're lamenting, God's with us. What is breaking your heart today? Is there anything you're lamenting? You know, all change involves loss. No matter what kind of change it is, even a good change, like a new job or a new baby, all change involves some loss. Well, what have you lost amid COVID? Well, what have you lost amid some of the changes in our world today? Write that down. And there may be a time when you would write, uh, oh God, I need your help in, and then you write down where you need God's help. Oh God, I need you to fix this in my life. Where do you need God's repair work? Where do you need God to reclaim and salvage a broken place in your life? Where do you need an answer to prayer? Where do you need guidance and direction? Write it down and put it in the wall. Now, I've had the privilege of being 12 times in Israel and going to Jerusalem 12 times and going to the Wailing Wall. I've been to the Wailing Wall more than 12 times. I've been several times in one visit, and I've gone to that Wailing Wall, which is the wall that the people were going to rebuild 
And I've stood at that wall at the lowest time in my life. And I wrote God a prayer. I need help. I need direction. I need you. Have you ever articulated a prayer? You know, you can bring to God anything, any of your feelings, good and bad. When, you're in the, when your feelings are very raw and your emotions are raw, and mine were raw that day when I wrote down, I need help. I need you. And I put it in the wall. So I'm going to go out today after worship, and I'm going to write down some areas where I need God's help, and I need God's guidance, and I need God's grace and love. And, but then I'm also going to write a prayer of thanks for the San Marino Community Church. Because I believe the staff transitions that have happened have brought Jessica von Lower to us and Bong bring us in a more powerful way than ever before. And God has brought Natalie Day and Miss Natalie McMillan and all these new people that are coming in. And Willow Stevens has been here a while, but God's gotten her a role that's phenomenal. And God is bringing all these new people. Jonas Streffer is doing a phenomenal job. And Andrew and all these people with sound and lighting and technology. And I thank God for the new staff, the new team that God's bringing in. And was going to be a new associate pastor at some point and a pastoral resident. There's going to be new people on the staff. And I'm also going to give a prayer of thanks for all these new people people. Because see, God doesn't want us to, to bet our life or our, put our weight down on just a staff member or a pastor. God wants us to trust him every day, every day, every day. Years ago, I left a church in New Providence, New Jersey. I'd served for 10 years and I loved it there. It was a wonderful community. I knew people there. I loved them. I knew the mayor of the town. He was respected me. I respected him. And one day after I'd announced I was going to Houston, Texas, to a new church after 10 years in New Jersey, the mayor saw me on the street. I said, hey, Dr. Toole, hey, Doc, uh, I hear your church is going to be under new management. I said, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He said, well, I hear you're moving to Texas. I said, I am moving to Texas, but I'm in sales, not management. The management of our church was, is, and always will be Jesus Christ. And he said, okay, okay, I don't want a sermon. I'm just making conversation with you. <laughs> But I really meant that, that the, the leader of our church, the manager of our church was, is, and always will be Jesus Christ. And note this, every so often God rearranges the sales force so we don't get dependent on the sales force and forget who's in charge. So I believe God brought Jessica Von Lower here a couple of years ago to bring a new team here for such a time as this. Now, what do you mean? For COVID? No, I mean for a larger purpose, but she's got the gifts to lead us through this time of COVID. It's phenomenal. And there was a time when I saw Jessica Von Lower lead this church into the presence of God. You know, there's a lot of people today who think the church is irrelevant. And a lot of young people, like the ones who are here this morning, say, well, I don't go to church, it's irrelevant. But what Jessica is doing is bringing the relevance of the gospel to people of all ages, young people, middle-aged people, older people, all people. But I saw her do something in this room that I will never forget. It was a Friday during COVID. I was the preacher that day. We recorded our services at 9 o'clock on a Friday morning and 6 o'clock on a Friday night. And, and we went to the sanctuary for one recording in this room for another recording. And I came in here in the morning to record a service. I was to give the sermon that day. And it was just going to be on recording. Just a few people would have heard it. And, and um, so they had the, 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 the sound and the lighting people and the camera and, and just me and a few technicians. But there was a lot to do that day. And there was so much to do that 
that we didn't know if we'd get it all done. And I, I was a little discombobulated. I, I was coming over from, from Claremont, California. I was a little bit late, and I was coming in. I was a little discombobulated, and, and the technicians weren't sure about everything. We had new sound equipment and new lighting equipment, and they were trying to get everything in order, and there was a lot to do in a very quick period of time. And I saw Jessica Von Lower walk into this room, and I'll never forget it. She said, how's everything going? <laughs> we said, well, it's not going so well. We've got a lot to do, a lot of recording, and, and there's the technical difficulties, not everything's working so well. And she said, well, I don't know how to solve these problems, but I know the one who does. So let's stop and let's pray. And, you know, our first thought, frankly, was, gosh, we don't have time to pray. We've got a lot of things going, we've got a lot to do. But she said, no, let's pray. And so she gathered us in a circle, six feet apart, with masks, and she prayed. And when she prayed, the presence of God came down. And I'll never forget it. I mean, I, I was nervous about that sermon, but, but I opened my hands, and when she prayed and poured her respect for me into the prayer, I, I felt the presence of God. And when, I, when she poured her affection and her love and her respect for, for the sound crew, Jonas and Andrew and all these people doing it, and for Willow, who's going to lead the music, as she poured that, we all experienced the presence of the living God. When have you experienced God's presence? I'm telling you, when she prayed, she prayed right here, right here. And we experienced the presence of God. Well, as soon as we, she said amen, there was joy. It was palpable. She, she said, uh, somebody said, hey, I've got an idea what we can do. And somebody else had an idea. And somebody stepped up. And somebody else stepped up. And, and I stepped up. And she stepped up. And everybody stepped up. Before we knew it, we had the problem solved. We were on our way. There was laughter and joy. And so everybody had kind of left. And I went to the pulpit to start to give the sermon. And she came over and gave me a little fist bump. And I said, Jessica, can I just say one thing to you? She said, sure. I said, well, you know why you were brought here, why God rearranged the sales force to have you in this lead position at this time. You know why this is. She said, no, actually, I don't know why. I said, well, I want to tell you, I believe it's of God. I think you came here, God brought you here to bring this church to experience the presence of the living God, just like we did today. And I want to tell you the truth. I believe God brought Jessica Von Lower here for such a time as this to teach us as a Christian community how to put our trust in God every day, every day, every day. So after this service, I'm going out to the wailing wall. I'm going to kneel down, write my note. I'm going to put it in the wall to remind myself to put my trust in God as Jessica has taught us Every day, every day, every day. Will you put your trust in God today? Will you? Every day? See, that's what Jessica's tried to teach us. That's what God's been trying to teach us for a long time. I just hope we learn the lesson. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify.